What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Vile Files. I'm your host, Nick, and we got a fantastic episode for you today. The legendary Steve-O is with us. You know him. You love him from Jackass and his comedy and a bunch of crazy things he's done. And just he's a really fascinating guy who's been through a bunch of different experiences. We get to talk about it with him so i don't want to spoil any of it and we'll just kind of let you listen to the to the episode uh before we uh, get to the episode send your questions to ask nick at castmedia.com cast with a k for all your ask nick episodes be sure to tune in on monday for all your relationship uh, stories and q a if uh, you're tuning in to uh, listen to steve-o uh, be sure to check out those if uh, you like hearing about other people's problems and uh, trying to find a solution for them. If nothing else, don't forget, again, subscribe, rate, review, post on social. It's great. We love you. Uh, let's get to Steve-O. Thanks for coming on, Steve-O. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first time I ever, I was once 15 feet away from you. Okay. Back in 2001. <laughs> 2001, all right. Uh, it was my first spring break in Panama City. And okay. uh, you were on a, on a chair jumping on another chair and broke the chair. And everyone's like, and there was this big crowd around you. And it was, it was, it was, was a height. Was something that happened on stage or was it? No, uh, it was like, everyone was just like, oh, that's Steve-O. He's from Jackass. And I'm like. Yeah, it was really new at that time. Yeah, it was really new. And it yeah. was just a crowd on the beach. And you just the, like happened to be there. Oh, okay. It was, like, it was a, a, on a white plastic chaise long kind of thing. Yeah. I was diving off of a wall. Yeah. On the, yeah on the, and they didn't get the shot. And it was like super rad. And I was like way pissed. Ah. I was like 10 feet away. I was in the yeah. crowd cheering. That's cool. How random. So. Yeah, Jackass came out in year 2000. So spring break 2001, it was just right, it just popped off. Were you on every, did you go to multiple spring break destinations? Then? I would. I, I would become a, a, a prolific spring breaker. I, uh, <laughs> I was a regular in Cancun and Panama City. Uh, I did Acapulco at one point. Uh, where else was there? I mean, uh, I think those are the big ones, Panama City and Cancun. And I, I ended up getting banned from Panama City. <laughs> Did, and, I got arrested on an airplane flying into <laughs> Panama City. And then you got banned. Well, they had a separate deal. <laughs> separate deal. I got banned from the, I believe it's the largest nightclub in America. It's called Club La Vila. And uh, this was where it all began for me. Uh, because I had a... a, a a rave promoter from Cleveland reach out. He somehow got my number. He reached out in January of 2001 saying, hey, I'm, I'm throwing this party and I want to fly you in. I'll fly you out the, the next day. I'll pay 700 bucks to come to this party. And I told the guy, don't just pay me seven. I was like, 700 bucks. I will chew and swallow glass. I will light myself on fire. Don't just yeah. give me 700 bucks. <laughs> and you, uh, you were almost offended. By I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I was. So, so I went there and uh, it was like this thing. I, I, like, uh, I was supposed to fly home the next morning, but I was like, just, I, I did every drug in the sun. Like, I, I think I actually <clears throat> did meth that night. 
and coke and ecstasy and like just it was it was crazy and and i'm like underneath the guy's kitchen table the next day and he's like hey your flight lead your flight departs in an hour do you want to even try and i was like nah let's not even try dude and uh cleveland so yes i was in cleveland in january of 2001 (laughs) and we walked over uh this bridge they have this this river through cleveland yeah, the, the Cuyahoga River. We walked over a bridge over it, and I looked down, the, and the the river was, uh, it was like partially frozen, like such that some parts were like kind of wet, some parts were kind of frosty, but you could tell it was thin ice. And uh, and I said, dude, I'm not leaving Cleveland until I get myself uh, a pair of ice skates and skate on this river until I fall through the ice. And uh, so that took about a week to to get it to where I was happy with it. And, uh, you know, I, I did it wearing a tutu and, um, it was, it was a lot of fun by the time, uh, I left Cleveland and it was so funny too, because it was like, I want to say like January 25th or something. The guy's like, well, when, when do we need to get you back home? And I, and I said, well, there's this chick I'm kind of into. So I'd like to be home by Valentine's Day. <laughs> right? Like I'll just hang out for three weeks. Like I don't care. The guy's like, "Well, what are you gonna do for money?" I was like, "Oh, money? Are you kidding me? I've got like eleven hundred bucks in the bank." <laughs> like uh, I, that's just how I was, man. Uh, but the guy ended up calling. He said, "Okay, so I, I got a spring break deal in Cancun. We're gonna go to this." Uh, can this big nightclub in, in Cancun. And I was like, all right. So, so we went down there and uh, all I was supposed to do was hang out and take pictures with people and stuff. But, but I, I saw this stage and I was like, oh, well, I got to get on that stage and do my dumb tricks. So I get on the stage and like a thousand people gather around and I'm just doing dumb shit for like an entire hour. And the guy says, well, we're, we're going to have to have a tour. And that was how my tour began. No way. Yeah, my old Don't Try This at Home tour. Boy, was it fucked up. Your commitment, you you have like an (laughs) immense, an amazing ability to commit to things and follow through. Does that apply to all aspects of your life or does it just come with stunts? Like a lot of guys get crap for like being non-committal in relationships. I'm I'm pretty good, man. I'm I'm pretty good about, about follow through. I don't know that that was always the case in every area, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, I've got I've got, I've got a lot of stuff going on right now, and uh, yeah, being being a clean and sober guy is a big advantage over over, you know, over the way I used to be because now I, like I don't really waste my time on uh, all, like stuff, you know, I'm not like wasting my time making like mistakes and creating problems. Like I'm pretty laser focused on what I want to do. And uh, I don't waste time like chasing chicks around or anything like that. I did the the whole sex addiction thing, and now uh, you know now I got a healthy relationship and my partner who who helps me accomplish my shit. So I'm pretty unstoppable. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said so many things, and I had so many questions, and uh, then I lost my train of thought. How long have you been in this relationship? Uh, for over four years now, and prior to that, I'd never made it even to one year. So, oh really? Yeah, and and so uh, it's it's a big deal. Well, congrats! Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Um, we met on a job. It was for uh, like a Super Bowl commercial type deal, that was uh, just for like a, a Facebook thing. But she was working in the art department, and um, 
That's how we met, yeah. Right. Did you ask her out? She, she slid into my DM. She slid, yeah. That's how I, oh. That's my love story. Yeah. I yeah. love that. She slid into my DM because uh, on the set, she was wearing uh, a ring on her uh, her wedding finger. But as it turned out, it was a don't fuck with me ring. Like uh, oh. a, a, a leave me alone ring. Interesting. So I just figured that you know she was married. off limits, but then she slid into the DM, and I was like, right on. So we 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 went the healthy dating route. She was like, just in case you were wondering, I'm I am available. I was just it was the other assholes I didn't want to talk to. to right, talk to I suppose so. Yeah. So so we uh, did responsible dating like once a week for like a month before we we made out and stuff. What do you all... mean by responsible dating? Well, like I. I have just an addictive personality so i've run into problems with just about everything that that uh is comforting or or pleasurable <laughs> you know drugs and alcohol <laughs> sex sugar spending um and uh sex was something that i really had to address and um you know I, unlike drugs and alcohol which we just cut out you know you just cut it out and you're better off without it like there's nothing you can do uh, about the fact that you're a sexual being, you know, and with yeah. food, like you have to eat, you know, so like that, that, that is a more tricky thing where you got to learn moderation and, uh, and a, a new healthy approach to, to sex and a healthy approach to sex is, is really pretty, uh, it's, it's definable for each person. You know, you make a dating plan. And the dating plan is okay. I'm gonna, you know, you don't, you're not gonna just go crazy right away. You're gonna see them once a week and and not more. You know, you're gonna like have so many dates before you try and kiss or anything like that. Like we were responsible in that regard. That's great. Did you bring that up? Was she familiar with it? Like, uh, you don't want to bring that up on the first date. <laughs> no, it's like hey, so I have a responsible right. dating plan. Correct. Correct. I well. You, but, but you know what? Like, and 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 I'm I'm generally pretty like just transparent. I'm, I'm transparent in everything about everything. Uh, I, I basically have no filter. But um, with the, you know being open about sex, like you know, if you're like a, a sober alcoholic, there's no stigma around that. Like that's like a long, you know, it's like oh cool, you're you're a sober guy, you know, that's great. Yeah. But if you're gonna say I'm a sex addict. Now that's not fucking cool, <laughs> you know. But I personally believe pretty strongly that that the world is full of scumbags, you know, like cheating on their girls and you know doing it. You know, it's like almost like acceptable or or like a societal norm. I I, I I would rather be the guy who lives with integrity, does the right thing when nobody's watching, and calls himself a sex addict than be the guy who cheats and, and is a scumbag and doesn't call himself a sex addict. That's my position. And I, I put in a lot of work. To, I, uh, I think that's awesome. I totally agree. Also, when you talk about responsible dating, I honestly feel like that these are kind of practices the average person, the sure. average young person should start incorporating because kind of to your point, we're I've been talking and thinking about a lot of like hookup culture lately. We talk a lot about relationships right. and dating and I participate in hookup culture. Like I've had one night stands, sure. you know, you know, are you my girlfriend and I now we, we hooked up on the first night. And I, I definitely think that if people want to, they should, and that's all great. But sure. at the same time with dating apps, with social media, our accessibility for people is it's so easy now that we're also, we're, 
we're confusing like what we still want to find love we still want to date and we and we're no longer getting shamed for sex and that's a great thing and and but we aren't controlling kind of our habits and then we're kind of getting ourselves in trouble we're disappointing ourselves with the expectations we have around sex and and dating and this responsible dating plan i think is a really neat idea especially it's probably a great way for people just to get people to like them. It's like, I can only hang, don't even tell me of a plan. Just be like, I, I don't know. I don't, I'll, I'll see you once a week. I mean, right. that's going to make you seem real busy and real like hard to get. And I feel like that's something people should start incorporating, even if they haven't necessarily, you know, well, decided they're a sex addict. Right. I mean, I think that there's uh, it's, it's commonly accepted that, that uh, our DNA dictates that monogamy is just not what we're supposed to be about. Yeah, you know, like we're, so, we're, we're not like, uh, it's not in our, our, our genetic makeup that we should be monogamous. And, and maybe there's some, some validity to that. But for me, I know that my approach to, to sex was just so fucking bad that uh thank god i have to like really do the work to override my dna meditation people i don't know if you've tried it but you really should get on board because it's uh i can't say enough about its uh, benefits to your mental health and and keeping your sanity uh whether you who i don't know who you are guy girls single relationship kids uh it's always great to center yourself headspace that's right headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Question mark? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. So you can calm those little critters, kiddos down yourself, you know, wake up and kind of relax your kids to start their day. Or maybe it's a great uh, unwinding as you end the day before you go to bed. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies of its benefits, over 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. That's a big number. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime anywhere you deserve to feel better and headspace is meditation made simple go to headspace.com slash v-i-a-l-l that's headspace.com slash v-i-a-l-l for a one month free trial with access to headspace's full library of meditation for every situation this is the best deal offered right now head to headspace.com slash v-i-a-l-l today better help hey people therapy we talk about it all the time on the show everyone could benefit from therapy just like everyone could benefit from running a lap taking care of your mental health is just as uh, beneficial and helpful as taking care of your physical health or your dietary health but uh, i you know we uh, there's always these kind of it can be stigmas or whatnot or sometimes it can be super inconvenient you know where do you go where do you go to get therapy well now you can go like right uh, from your bed or your couch the comfort of your home with better help better help you can start communicating in less than 24 hours you don't need a crisis you can maybe just feeling a little bit of anxiety maybe you have some money problems relationship problems it doesn't matter what the problem is you just want to talk to someone better help is here for you just go to betterhelp.com and uh take a quick assessment they'll assess you know give you a, a, a a licensed therapists to talk to and you can see how if you like that if you don't like you get someone else super convenient and easy 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Files. That's V-I-A-L-L-F-I-L-E-S. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join over the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have used BetterHelp, they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Viofile listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Viofile. What does it even mean? I mean, honestly, I don't know. What does it mean, or where did you kind of well, come I mean, in relation like to be a sex addict that you are? Uh, I mean, I just was, was just doing fucking reckless shit, and uh, you know, and then you end up with all of the stress over like, oh my god, like what kind of a health risk yeah. have I just, you know, like with that with the health risks, all the the anxiety that comes about from that, and then another like whole area of uh, of just shame and guilt is where like I, I would act towards uh towards women i would feel like legitimately infatuated by them and pour on the charm to try to hook up with them and really feel like i'm, I'm crazy about this girl and like and i would just like put in all of this work pouring on all this sociopathic charm to like get her on the hook and then like and then i would hook up with them and just like like a, a like a, sw- a switch flipped like all of a sudden i would just like super lose interest and be like oh my god i got to like get away from this person and just like do the ghost routine and that's like super not the fucking way to treat people man like we we see in every like like spiritual way of life like be good to thy neighbor treat people the way you want to be treated and i was treating people specifically the way i most fear being treated you know like you don't have to be fucking freud to know that uh i've got like abandonment issues like rejection issues like you know insecurities and so for me to routinely like mislead exploit neglect abandon reject like that's that's not the recipe for good karma, and uh, you know treating people that way left me feeling like a complete piece of shit, and and I, I don't want that anymore. And then like the the worst part is just the amount of time wasted. You know, like my buddies with all the swiping on the dating apps and shit, the amount of fucking time it takes to do the swiping, the swiping, and then you go into the messaging phase and, and I'm with the messaging, like with the, I mean for God's sakes, and the They're time talking to fifteen different girls on messages right. and, and right. Yeah. And by the time they actually hook up with a chick, it's like, all right, great. Like, uh, you know, what have you actually done? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? How much do you know them, if at all? Or right. is it just a, a focus to... Right. So, I mean, I don't know. And, and I know as well that that there's like a, a crazy dynamic where it's like a, a form of, of validation. You know, like guys really like seek to derive like self-esteem and self-worth from like hooking up with as many chick like each time they conquer a chick then it's it means they're the man and that they've validated this like this thing about them that that's a value when in fact the more that you have like promiscuous hookups you do entirely the opposite you you completely deplete whatever like value you know like well yeah i mean you it's that notch on the belt kind of mentality sure. so what happens when you don't have as much sex or you get older right and you're putting all this value on on the number and then right. you realize what is and then it? yeah it's all great so you've had sex with like hundreds of people like yeah. ooh, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know uh and and uh the other thing that, that i think is a complete fallacy is the idea that the the guys will say like oh man you know i'm just trying to get it out of my system you know like sow my wild oats so then i can That's... settle down it's... it's like okay so you're gonna have like 
sex with hundreds of people to try to get that out of your system. Like that make makes sense. as much sense as the guy like who just wanted to smoke a bunch of crack to get that out of his system so he could move on and be like, you know, it takes a lot of work to undo uh, all, all of that. Yeah. So cement it like as a coping mechanism when you do that. I feel like that's really common with casual sex where it's like you end up in a validation loop with someone and then you break things off. But then instead of actually like sitting with your shit and working through that, then you just find the next like shiny thing and you're accumulating all of this like emotional bullshit that you're not actually like dealing with and you keep scapegoating onto other exciting stuff. Well, that's like we talked with Andy or just like what you choosing what validates you can be a very dangerous thing if the thing that you choose to validate you you aren't really getting any fulfillment out of you know like validation for versus fulfillment is something i think people make a big mistake on all the time you know because you can feel validated and you, you focus on your ego and what makes me feel special in the moment but you're not getting anything out of it and you're just kind of wondering why you feel empty yeah, validation versus fulfillment. That's a really, uh, I think that that's a, a subtle distinction, but an important one. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that all all, all the time. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's just our, you know, people, like I spend a lot of time talking about ego with my audience because like everything, you know, when we, you know, we get cheated on. I have a friend who recently got cheated on and 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 she was just talking to me about, you know, essentially he was just trying to make sense of it. Right. She's like, well, he, he did this and he's a, a narcissist or, or he, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I, everything you're doing is just, you're just trying to validate what he did in the experience. You're trying to justify it. It's your to ego. Excuse it. To, it was, you know, it, people do it because they're almost, they feel stupid. You know, you get cheated on your ego's just like, what the fuck, you know, like, why did you, uh-huh. Why did you let this happen, right? And then we start making excuses for it, right? And even if that's calling him a narcissist or saying they couldn't handle the success that I had or whatever it is. And yeah, it's just more ego-driven because you're just trying to validate your decisions to date this person. We feel stupid. Like, how could we have gotten duped, right? But it's not really a fulfilling kind of way of trying to understand why it happened, right? So yeah, i often trying to figure out like whether I'm actually being, you know, if it, is it the validation I'm seeking? And is that validation actually fulfilling anything about what is making me happy or not? Right. I, I think uh, a big sort of a life hack for me, and I don't do any of this like really perfectly, but if I can view my relationship like in every moment as every moment is an opportunity for me to express myself as the guy who I aspire to be. Then all of a sudden, like selfishly, like it's, it's purely self-serving. Like, wow, I, I get to think I'm a good guy, you know, because I, I treat my girl right, you know, sure. like, and, uh, and, and then if you can make it to the relationship, like, and, and you're looking at what you bring to the relationship rather than what you take from the relationship, and only want to take just a feeling you're a good guy, then then that's that's pretty killer. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you talked, I was listening to your podcast earlier, and you talked about someone who's, you know, always wanted attention early on. Yeah. Obviously, it probably got you in, you know, to doing the stunts and jackass. You mentioned insecurities. Because you, you often, I'm sure, to a lot of your audience, come across as, incredibly open your you know your merch line your your naked a lot all these uh-huh. things and so how do you balance in uh 
you know, being so open and vulnerable to what, whatever insecurities you have. And I'm really just kind of curious, what are some of your biggest insecurities? Because I feel like a lot of people just assume nothing bothers you. Oh, it's definitely not the case that nothing bothers me. I, if anything, I'm gripped by fear. Uh, and I think that, I mean, in, uh, you know, in, in review of one's fears, I think we, we can boil it all down to I'm afraid that I'm going to lose something I have or not get something I want. Um, and it's all like, you know, kind of the ego, which is our, our uh, it's our whole survival system you know like we got to eat we got we need we need things to survive and then like the it, it just goes goes crazy but uh big, big insecurities that i have um uh you know like like getting old i think that's a pretty common one mm -hmm. and like here i'm in this position it's it's extra difficult because um you know I have this persona, like this career that's sort of like built on adolescence, you know, like it's kind of not okay for Steve O to get old, you know, yeah. I got my, my, my new tour and, and, and just today my, my, uh, I got, um, my, I announced new tour dates for the first time in ages. And, uh, this show I come out, I'm like, like, I just start off the show saying, guys, I'm in a really fucked up situation. I'm Steve O in my forties. And, and it's just like right there, like that's a big laugh, you know? And you uh, almost kind of bring, you, well, right, you, like, the elephant in the room. That, it's like, yeah. I'm like this irreverent, like, you know, immature, like, you know, like reckless guy. And like to be middle-aged and that is, is, is kind of a fucked up position. Um, so, uh, and, and on top of that, like if, if anything drives me in absolutely every area of my life, it's attention seeking. You know, like I, I fully, I, I identify as an attention whore as, as like, that's just my career. You know, like I could say entertainer, I could say like any different offshoot of performance art, but really I'm just an attention whore. And, and I've said that sort of, uh, in, in a little bit of a self-deprecating way, like as if I'm like, you know, but let's be honest, attention is the most valuable commodity that, that we trade. You know, that's everything's driven by advertising, by eyeballs, by, you know, so as a character defect, being an attention whore is like pretty, you know, something pretty, you can do with. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's a character defect that, that works pretty well for me, you know, because I think I'm good at being an attention whore. But the problem is that particularly in, in Western civilization, like getting old is not fucking cool. You know, like the fact that we're all gonna die is super not fucking cool and people don't wanna think about it. You know, they just want their blinders on. And so to, to avoid thinking about one's mortality, like we really don't even wanna acknowledge old people because they're a fucking walking that's, party foul that reminds us of our mortality. And we want to like- I, No, that's so true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Is that, you know, we, when, almost, when, when, we blacklist when people, when they start looking older, yeah. it's just like, I don't want them, I don't want they're, them at my party. They're, they're 100%, they're a reminder that we're gonna die and that's not fucking cool. So when they get, when, when your relatives get old, you throw them in a fucking nursing home and just get them away from me. You know, like there, there are- oh, That's more, so true and so like sad. It's like prison. It's yeah. like yeah. prison for old people. There's nothing lonelier that I could possibly imagine than being 
an old attention whore. All I know is that this is something that I think about a lot and it's because it's a huge insecurity for me. And, and uh, it, it really like puts an asterisk for me on the importance of having separation between like my, the persona of Steve-O and like whoever I actually am, you know? Yeah. Because if, if, if my self-worth, if my identity, my self-esteem is tied to like how popular I am as a, a commodity in the entertainment industry, then that's just sad, fucked up and totally like barreling down a track to a terrible place. So like I've got to be able to separate myself from that and be okay with me uh, you know, just out of the spotlight, you know, and that's something that takes a lot of work because fame is, is like probably the most addictive drug of all. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, especially yeah. in uh, you know, the community I come from reality TV where you get the, the quick fix. For sure. And, and that like is really a, bi a big part of like how the, the sex thing became like a real priority for me to address because I was, uh, you know, like I, I was approaching 40 years old, you know, I'm, I'm 47 now. And uh, I just turned 47, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, but I was I was approaching 40 years old and I was on my, my stand up comedy tour. And and I was just like, like trying to hook up with chicks all the time. And it just felt like at a certain point, I was like, man, like, this is it's it's starting to feel kind of sad. Like when I'm like forty years old, like let me try, I'm trying to hook up with chicks. Like what am I going to be like fifty? And you know, like it's just I, it just I I had the like the major sense that that what I was doing did not represent a path towards being like happy later in life. You know, like that. And I really subscribe to the idea that if I'm going to be genuinely happy, and I like what you said, fulfilled, that I need to learn how to have a healthy relationship. And that was where I said, okay, like I got to put away all this uh, this sexual acting out, and I was just unable to. So then I recognized, you know, the addiction, and uh, and and yeah, dude, like that. It's it's relationships that that matter in life, you know. Like relationships is what matter. And when I'm properly fucking old and nobody wants to pay attention to me, it's the quality of my relationships that's going to make the difference, you know, and. Uh, that's why like I really I really care about the people who are close to me and the relationships that we have. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Um, what do you think about uh, everything you just said as it relates to the world today in social media and everyone, TikTok, you know, everyone's trying to be famous. Everyone's trying to get that attention. And to your you know, you mentioned like you openly call yourself an attention whore and and yet, and, and you're beloved for that. I mean, in, in owning, I guess, your insecurities and, and faults. And yet, so we often will criticize people for doing things for attention, or or people, more importantly, will well, feel right. very judged if you say, are, are, "Are you doing that for attention?" Right. I mean, it's 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 really weird, man. Like uh, they, we came, uh, I want to say, in the two thousands, in, in, into a new sort of genre of celebrity, which we called famous for being famous yeah. you know like uh and um you know the idea of uh the attention you know calling someone attention whore is supposed to be insulting but like 
what, what the fuck does performance art mean except for you know being performing for attention um but uh yeah this this crazy shift where everybody is sort of, sort of you know scratching for some modicum of fame and uh you know like the it it, it used to be you know you, you were sort of you're famous you're you're a regular person now there's this like sliding scale that goes like the spectrum is so crazy you know like everybody and i don't even know how i feel about it is it healthy no you know like um there's nothing healthy about uh about the idea of celebrity you know and at the same time nobody's trading it in so like no, no one's complaining about it yeah, but, uh, yeah. I don't think there's anything truly. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I, and yeah. and dude, I, and I'm as addicted to my phone as anybody else. You know, it's really scary um, how uh, just detached. You know, like how, I don't know if you're more addictive than I am. Right, and I don't even. Try, I don't even try. <laughs> I don't, I don't even. You're I don't not even, all supposed to laugh. Everyone in the room is like, "You're <laughs> not like more so addicted than Nick." I, I don't even try to pretend that I'm not. You know, like, uh, and 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 I also get a lot of work done on my phone too. Yeah. So it's tough. Do you, does your girlfriend complain about it? She can. Yeah, she does sometimes. And we're actually engaged, so she's she's my fiance. Oh, and out of respect, I wear an engagement ring. I think that that should be a no brainer for everybody. But did did you come up with that, or did she bring up? I I, I like that. I, it was important to me. I just thought, like, what the fuck is wrong with our society that a, a woman should indicate that she's taken, but the the man should a man not? Shouldn't somehow? What fucking kind of message does that send? You That's, know, like I, mean, I never thought about it that way though. Like I just does felt that like not, you just dropped a mic on my face. Like, does that not awesome. imply like like explicitly yeah, right. that like men are just like should be allowed to just keep fucking doing whatever they want and and they're not committed until the literal day they walk down the aisle right it's like they could pull out at any point in time right i mean i'm curious the history behind an engagement ring is that was that what what, it was for i I don't know i feel like financially because women used to be like a financial liability it was like to prove that you can support a woman for her dad to give her away you have to like put your money where your mouth is like give her the diamond there's there's probably something to that and that's why the, the the parents pay for the the parents of the the woman pay for yeah. the wedding because that's oh, yeah, the last the fucking thing they're ever gonna stuff. have to pay for. Our, Allie, Allie, our uh, bona fide researcher, has the answer. Engagement um, rings originated in Rome as a sign of ownership. They did not originally have diamonds. Diamonds gained popularity in the late 1940s. Yeah, with the, but yeah, it the, was ownership. Beers, yeah. A sign of ownership. That's awful. Yeah, <laughs> you know? to to signify. Well, to that point, at least oh. you are. Making yeah, it even, like right. fine, you know. Exactly. What? If this says I own you, then you own me. It literally says, "quote to That's signify a business amazing. contract or to affirm mutual love and obedience." Do you think any guy listening to this podcast would be like, "Babe, I can't give you an engagement ring. I don't want to imply that I own you." So, <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, and what the fuck is going on with uh, that? I think it's still a saying to this day, like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna get married. She's gonna make him an honest man." <laughs> like he's lying cheating piece of shit until like he actually gets married yeah any yeah you're right if you're a woman and you're and your guy's friends say oh you're gonna make an honest man out of him yeah run they're what telling the fuck you is that wrong he's a piece of shit <laughs> yeah 
That's a good point. Never right. thought of it that way. This right. is the second knowledge drop that I'm obsessed with in all the podcasts that we have done. Well, so you obviously have a lot of thoughts about masculinity and uh, some of its kind of toxicity that it's... It, I, or I, yes I mean, or no. I, uh, sure, sure. I think that it, it's less about masculinity. It's more just about like respect, right, yeah. you know? And like the societal norm is just like comes up short of respect, you know? Like uh, it, in a lot of cases and particularly this one, you know, evidently. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot because, you know, people get kind of bogged down in and the argument about toxic masculinity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't even, I'm, I'm not even pointing the finger at, at masculinity or anything toxic. I'm just like, uh, I'm just crying Common out, sense. crying out for respect and, 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 you know, equality and dignity. You know, that, that's just what it is, I think. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, masculinity has become such a triggering word these days. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I like that. He's just more like, yeah, I like it's more respect. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. What what do, what do I know? Um, so you have your special gnarly out. Yeah, I, I put out. I put that out about exactly a year ago, and that went that went spectacularly well for me. Actually, uh, in the special, the last thing that happens on stage is I propose to my girl, which uh, which is pretty rad. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I was so excited about it. It was my, spe my second comedy special. <clears throat> and as I put together the hour, I was like, fuck, man, I'm telling all these, like, super crazy stories. And, like, there's footage for most of, like, what, what I'm talking about. So how about if I make it a, a multimedia comedy special where, like, I do the stand-up act, but there's just footage edited in to illustrate the stories I'm telling. And that was just such, seemed like such an original fucking awesome idea. So uh, I started taping my shows and cutting in the footage. And I, I just saw that it worked. And also, prior to that, I was kind of scared to, not scared, I just didn't want, I didn't enjoy watching back my, you know, because I had insecurity, you know. But doing this, this uh, you know, sort of edit these drafts, you know, making these drafts of this this special uh, it forced me to really study the footage of me performing and, and it brought about like real progress and on a much faster scale. And, um, it went, it worked super well. I, and I started filming new crazy shit to plug in and build stand up around that. And then I got like the, like I talked the whole jackass cast into getting together for the opening sequence. And that was fucking epic. And, 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 and I was so confident in this thing that I, I funded the whole deal. And with all the new sh footage I had to shoot and with all like, you know, everything and then doing it all professional, I ended up spending over 300 grand to produce the, the thing. And then I took it out to all the, the platforms like, you know, that, that could play something that filthy. Mm -hmm. And uh, they all passed on it. They were like, we don't want, I was like, wait, what? This has never been done. It's totally fucking original. It's completely badass. And it has all the guys from Jackass together for the first time in like 10 years. And uh, people didn't want to be in the business of Steve-O stand-up comedy because they view me as like a crossover guy. And I was like, all right, well. You what know, do you mean by that? Like, uh, I don't know. It's just like, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm known for one thing and then I start doing stand-up and a lot of people... Uh, are like, eh, you know, like he's not really a stand-up, 
you know? And meanwhile, I've been doing it consistently for, for over a decade, you know, like touring my fucking ass off and uh, really giving a shit about it. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't sell the special and, and I, I doubled down right away. I started shooting my next one, uh, shooting footage for, for my new tour where the footage actually comes on, on the road with me. And uh, I built a fucking paywall on my website and put out my special uh, on there. And, you know, I, I, I hate it when people, like, brag about success or money, but fuck, like, I, I, I'm proud that uh, that special I spent 300 grand on has uh, brought in a fucking million bucks so far. <laughs> That's know? amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, f- and I own it. So everyone who passed on it can suck my dick. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Suck my dick. Fuck you. If you want my next one, I now have demonstrated that you have to pay me a shit ton of money. There's no better feeling than <laughs> betting on yourself and, and winning. Yeah, I mean, 100%, man. And, uh, you know, I think that that's like kind of, uh, you know, I've lately been kind of gotten into, um, you know, YouTube videos that kind of get into like psychology and, and like, you know, like how, uh, like, you know, sort of habits and, and uh, patterns of, of uh, people who are successful. And, and, and one of the biggest things is um, like uh, failure and, and how, how you react to failure, you know, like uh, it, failure just fucking motivates me, man. And, and um, I think that that's uh, something that's, that's really important. Yeah, it keeps you sharp. Do you do you feel like you have haters? I mean, sure, everybody has haters, and and there, and there's nothing more sure to 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 bring hatred than um, being successful, you yeah. know. Um, and and whatever, like, I, and I'm just as sensitive as the next guy, where there's a hundred totally glowing, gushing, positive comments, and then you see one that was nasty, and that fucks up your whole day. I'm like yep. that, you yep. know. I got to be careful not to not to go into the, uh, the 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 comment section of social media. I consider it like the sewer that runs yeah. underneath the city. There's just it's a shit hole. in there. I mean, I I find myself. I think I'm as good as anyone, but when it gets you, it like sneaks up on you, and sometimes it will be like this comment that like someone at mentions you and like you're just like why did i want to see that then you start asking right. yourself some questions and then you start looking for it and you're like i don't i because you want to prove that one comment wrong so you go and just and it's just such a rabbit hole right. and next thing you know you like black out for 45 minutes and just read a bunch of hate about yourself it's a really dude i yeah I, I don't know if you've ever done that, but of course, yeah. of course and apologies for interrupting i know no. that i know that i never shut up but um the you're making uh, my job easy the, yeah the uh <laughs> I, my last podcast I put out, I should point out to everybody that I have a podcast. It's called Wild Ride with Steve-O uh, or Steve-O's Wild Ride. Um, but uh, the last episode I put up was by far and away my favorite one that I've ever recorded. And it was with Duncan Trussell, who's uh, like a, a prolific, like psychedelic enthusiast, like sort of uh, – not as much that he even takes psychedelics anymore, but he's just really kind of in this weird sort of uh, psychedelic kind of thoughtful, spiritual like mindset. And he's just a genius fucking guy. So we were talking about the universe and, <laughs> and everything. And I, I ran by this theory. I said, let me run this by you because I came up, you know, I came up with this thing and, and I think it's pretty cool. 
Uh, and there's a point to this too, because his take on it was so fantastic and, and, and it, it pertains to what we're talking about here. But I said, you know, people, I think that the flaw in, uh, our sort of, uh, level of uh, evolution the, our, our concept of of biology and and of, of of life and the human experience i think the flaw in how like our science is looking at it is that we're assuming that it's the brain and the body which is generating consciousness like to to say like uh that we're sort of like a transmitting like a, a signal of consciousness the way it's the origin of consciousness and i said i don't think that's the case and i think that that's where the idea that that death like uh is easy to to, to to kind of disregard is that the physical body like i view it as to to create a metaphor i, I view the physical body as like uh, a, a radio it's not generating uh the signal it's just picking it up. It's 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 a receiver, you know. So like to to extend the metaphor, you could take a sledgehammer, you could like bash the radio into oblivion, and certainly you've killed the radio, but you've done nothing whatsoever to yes. alter, to end, or to to uh, you know interrupt the signal which the radio is picking up. And so that's sort of a way of viewing like you've got the soul, you've got the the, the physical body, and. Uh, and I think that if we if, if we could view it that way, then uh, you know, like the idea of of death not even really, like really being real would make more sense. And Duncan Trussell said, "Yeah," he said, "I like that," you know. And there's some people who are like a radio that's just picking up a signal of the Beatles and they're thinking, man, I'm cool. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, dude, I just got goosebumps, you know. And and uh, at the same time, too, there's some people who are convinced that they're just a piece of shit because, you know, but but neither is the case. And so when it comes to to the 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 haters and the comments and the, and all this and all that, it's just like really important to put it aside and be like, hey, man, you know, I'm 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 just a receiver over here, man. You know, like uh, you can't get too invested in in what's going on with, with uh, your value or or what other people's opinions are, because like at the end of the day, everything's the way it's supposed to be, and we're all eyes in the same head, man. You know, so just change the channel on the radio. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Just like. Uh, trust in the signal man you know and uh and and just don't don't trip i think is the ticket yeah no i i i try i mean that's a great way to look at it in terms of because you're right it doesn't ultimately matter it, it's just right you know when you receive whatever that signal you're talking about and it's the hate and it's it's gonna it can really mess up that radio i guess for it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like having stereo war dude everyone's trying to fucking outblast you dude and you just can't fucking listen dude yeah <laughs> yeah i was thinking about failure the other day and you were i know you, something you you said you've been thinking a lot about and you know we i think do you think their society is getting better at failure or worse at failure in, in terms I, of how they're handling it I don't think that that's something that that really applies as much on a societal level. I think that if you look at uh, at the story of of any like any success story, is not a straight line. You know, like um, it's a like super, you know, super jagged line. You don't just go the straight sure. up. You know, like I think that 
failure, you know, for, for individuals is, um, it, it's an, it's an inevitability, you know, yeah. like, uh, but how do you, how, I mean, how have you gotten good at channeling that failure into like a positive outcome and as opposed to, cause a lot of people might fail and quit or, or divert their plan, uh, as opposed to, you know, you kind of had a fuck it. I'm following through. I'm going to keep doing I think, this. I, I think that, that, that going back to kind of my early, uh, you know, like when I was dropping out of the University of Miami in 1993, and I determined that uh, I was going to uh, become a famous crazy stuntman uh, through you know, video making home videos of reckless stunts. And at the time, there was no precedent for that. So, like everybody who I told my idea to, like just legitimately felt sorry for me. Like it was just a sort of a tragic case of this guy who thinks he's going to use a video camera to become a crazy famous stuntman. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a backup plan as much, you know, and, and I was actually pretty sure, uh, I felt pretty sure that I would never live to be like 30 years old. I just thought that I wasn't equipped to, to navigate the world that, uh, that I didn't have the survival skills to keep a job or, you know, like go to class or anything, you know? So I just felt that I was going to fail and I wanted to hurry up and, and uh, get as much video footage as I can. That was really like notable and entertaining so that like when I did ultimately die, like probably very young, that, that the video footage I had filmed would outlive me. You know, that, that, that was my, my, I had a religious view of the video camera that it would make me immortal that footage was forever, that even though I would be dead, that if people were watching videos of me, I would live on. And I had like, that was my little way to beat my mortality. And uh, you're like in, around your teenage years when you're thinking about this. Yeah, I, mean, I was like uh, 20, like 20 years old, like 19, 20, 21, 22, in and around there. And, uh, you know, I was like, it felt like I was kind of trying to cram my message in a bottle. And, and I was happy with that if... Uh, if that's how it was going to be, I just wanted to hurry up and get some insane footage before I died. And then I would have just insane footage. And the more footage I got, like, uh, it, I, I was stoked and the more I wanted to get, and then I, the harder I tried and I like, you know, I was homeless for three years after you know, leaving college. But, uh, you know, then I, I moved in with my sister and I, I found out about, uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College and, and I went there and like, it was just the one thing to the next thing. And, uh, and it all just kind of started working out, you know, but, uh, did, did you ever feel like a switch? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that your, your inspiration was this, was death in a way of like, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, you just accept it. I'm going to die young. And therefore you were ultra motivated to document it via video. Yeah. And then you found this purpose and, and, you you joined a, a circus college, which is awesome, and the, the determination, the fortitude, and yet you know you and, and with criticism, did it? Yeah, did the, the light go off? And now you found this purpose, and and hey, I'm still alive, I'm still here. And then you got sober, you you know right. things like I mean, that. It, I think it all comes back to like the, the 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 mortality thing. You know, I think that like I and I had a bit that I was working on in uh, in my stand up which kind of never really went anywhere because people don't want to even consider mortality. But I would say uh, 
like the premise of the bit was that uh, I think God hates us because like, seriously, we have one instinct, which is to survive and one guarantee we won't. <laughs> so what the fuck, <laughs> you know? The one thing that we give a fuck about like not happening is the only thing that we can count on happening. So like our our existence is a fucking cruel fuck prank on us, you know? Like how the fuck are we supposed to like be cool with this, you know? Like with our instinct like every fiber of our being instinctually cries out against our only fucking guarantee. So like we're in a jam here, you know? Like our human existence is a fucking jam. And and I think that like Ultimately, that you know, in the human existence, we only really have like one objective, and it's a pretty urgent one, which is to wrap our head around our mortality. And and like like I said, in Western civilization, people are not fucking even interested in in in, in exploring this idea. You know, like Duncan Trussell said, it's kind of like uh, you know, we've like we've all like collectively fallen out of an airplane. And like with like a picnic basket and like, you know, we're all like pummeling, you know, like uh, big falling towards the earth and, and like everyone's like just trying to like, you know, eat, have their picnic and, and like nobody's willing to say like, um, aren't we like falling towards our, the earth? It's like, shut up, don't fucking say that, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, just enjoy the ride. Right. And um so I don't know. Like I, I really think about that. I always did think about that a lot, and uh, I think that you know, it's sort of we we have a, you know, we we have to wrap our head around mortality, and I, I identified three ways that people do that. Like the first one being uh, reproduction. You know, that we call them the family jewels. So like if you have a kid, like then you've left a legacy behind, your family name continues, you're kind of still alive and like we're really driven to to reproduce. But I, I'm not uh, into that at all. And I got, a, I got a vasectomy because I'm so not into that. Um, and then the, the, the second way people, people wrap their head around mortality is with religion. Because like, I think that for the most part, and it's a flaw with religion is that people aren't really interested in like being a good guy or feeling like a good guy. They're just interested in that, like, feeling. I'm going to heaven, yeah. so it's going to be okay. So then it's they, transactional. Um, it's super transactional. Yeah, like, and, and they weaponize what religion all right. the time. And, and it's the fear of the, the fear of death, the fucking like, the, like not being okay with mortality, and that's what makes everybody subject to like all of this shit that goes on and so I, I never really got into that either and i couldn't subscribe to it and then so the third way that we wrap our heads around mortality is uh you know just leaving evidence of ourselves you know like i, I look at like cavemen drawing stick figures on the wall like the idea was that that fucking stick figure is going to be there after they're not you know and uh and so, like, that's what art is, you know. That's what you know. And so that I fall in that third category. And um, I was just, you know, it, 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 like, you could say too that, like, I was trying to, like, I was mad at mortality. It's like, fuck this, dude. I'm, I'm. This human experience is a prank on me, and I'm fucking pissed. And so <laughs> I'm gonna lash out, and like, and and uh, I'm gonna like use a video camera, and I'm gonna like express fucking 
anger at, at the idea of mortality. I'm going to fucking jump off buildings. I'm going to make it look like I could fucking die at any minute because yeah, I'm pissed at death. Set yourself on fire. You know? Yeah. Did you, it, all, when you're doing all these stunts, did you accept the possibility of death with some of them? Because I mean, some of them I, were pretty insane. Yeah, I don't know that that was ever... Uh, I was never trying to die. Not to, I was I was never trying to die, and I don't know that I ever took that like crazy of risks. I mean, for for situations that were potentially life threatening, there was mostly like like a lot of safety measures. Not deliberate that okay. like it would get that that close. You know, I was I was always trying to create the illusion that I didn't care if I lived or died. You know, and I suppose it with the with drug abuse. It did, uh, you know, arguably kind of cross that line. You know, I, I like I was probably think my personal life was much more life life threatening than my professional life. Wow. <laughs> Do you think now having somebody else like where before you could make those decisions from a place of like autonomy and like, hey, this is my fucking choice, but now having another person who loves you and needs you and is such an essential part of your life and knowing you're an essential part of theirs, has that changed your calculation for the risks you take? Um. It's a great question, and um, I, I, you know, I still, I don't, I don't know that I was ever really interested. Like, there was never anything like super, you know, what fatalistic. I never had a death wish on any level, so I, I don't know that I have to like dial, you know, down my uh, risk taking to accommodate my committed relationship, but. At the same time, I know that there's like, like it'll cross my mind, like, oh, I can't, like, nothing can happen to me before my dad. I can't die before my dad. That's a big one, you know. And uh, and and certainly my girl, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave, um, you know, sad loved ones. And I definitely don't want to leave Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> This is my dog who I found in in uh, the streets of Peru. Do you, so are you you don't seem you don't practice religion. Does that no. seem like? Are but do you have a, like a you seem also spiritual sure, in a way? Yeah. Do you have a it, sense it, of the afterlife? Do you believe in God? Sure. I mean, I, I think that that uh, you know, God's a funny word for the universe, right? Like uh, you know, everything that is is. is you know the universe i think covers that and uh i think that um all of creation is an exercise in the universe experiencing itself which is uh you know maybe like a, a weird thing to to grab onto but like all scriptures all like spiritual wisdom like it indicates that god is omnipotent that we are all, that we are one yeah, you know, this concept of oneness mm -hmm. is a real common denominator through all sort of uh, forms of wisdom. And the, the idea of one thing, one thing, uh, it, it can't relate to another thing because it's only one thing, you know? Like, um, so relationships, relativity is, is uh, dependent on that one thing dividing itself. And so that's like creation. God, as one thing, it can't have an experience because it's only one thing. So God, the universe, divides itself into infinite different things which can relate to each other. And in that relativity, 
You know, like you can't have something that's hot without something that's cold. You can't have something that's like tall without something that's short. And so like we're all just these fractions of uh, of the universe divided into relative things. And and that's uh, so like that's the universe keeping us in balance. Well, it's it's the universe experiencing itself. And, and by that measure, we're all equally divine and there's no room for for hatred or for uh you know any any like bullshit you know that that just that view means that like it comes with respect for for all that is you know yeah i i just wish more people would subscribe to that logic these days because it it feels like it's going the opposite direction I, I, yeah like i do a bad job of articulating this but uh but but one thing that really helped me grab onto it is um a book series called conversations with god and i fucking love it man i love that shit so much like uh book one book one or book one two and three the trilogy is uh that's something that really helped uh change and shape my view of uh of life the but, universe i'll have to check know. that out yeah, it's 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 rad. I've because I've always like I grew up Catholic, very very Catholic, and then I've gotten away from it a little bit. So I've struggled with like faith and religion at times. But and then sometimes the idea of sugar just makes me think that God exists because there's just no okay. way something like that. It's yeah, so but, good, but then then it destroys me. Right, but then or that's another or, thing yeah. where where life is a prank. Dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's all a prank. Yeah, Every, all the things you love the most are the things that can really fuck you up. I can't recommend the movie, but I, I'll totally recommend the books. <laughs> a, a movie? They, were, they made a they movie. Made, they made a movie out of it. Yeah, I think it has like like a, an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, book is transformative. The the book, uh, I believe, holds the record for living on the New York Times bestseller list longer than any book ever at. Uh, uh, what, 130 weeks? So I mean, almost, it, almost three straight years on the New York Times bestseller list, indicating that there's something to it. Yeah. Is it, when who, who wrote it? Is it like, a what guy is, what's named, it about? A guy named Neil Donald Walsh wrote it at a time where he was feeling frustrated. Um, I understand that he was in the habit of, of uh, like when, when something was really bothering him or, like uh who's upset with somebody he would write a letter to that person without necessarily ever sending it it was sort of an exercise in uh yeah. in inventing in and sort of like expressing that and it, he did better to not send the letter but he was at a place and he was really frustrated and he'd had an accident and, and uh, he was really struggling to provide for his family and, and he just decided to write one of his letters to god it was just like all right you know so he just started writing like uh you know why the fuck does my life suck so bad like what the fuck is the purpose in this you know like why you know like and and he intuitively got a response and, and so he was like what the fuck he really felt like like what the fuck like the response was like do you really want you know answers or are you, or are you just venting and so it like and I understand that's a tough pill to swallow that this guy's writing sort of both you know sides of the dialogue but you know, if you can just swallow that, uh, you know, there's so much wisdom in it. It's so, like, in many senses counterintuitive, but it's just so beautiful at the same time. And uh, 
it really just shapes the, the way I look at, at everything. And I was particularly upset because I, my mom, who died in 2003, had suffered a, um, a brain aneurysm. And um, she'd become like very disabled physically and mentally, and she had bed sores, and she was in terrible agony, and she cried in pain for the last five years of her life. And it traumatized the shit out of me. And I was like deeply resentful towards any concept of God where that was okay. You know, like what the fuck? Like I was like pissed off at a God that could allow for my mom to suffer like that. And what, what this book Conversations with God helped me with so much was that was to recognize the flaw in my thinking, which was based on the idea that God was over here and my mom was over there and that they were separate. Whereas a view of God where God is all of us, you know, God is everything and that we're an exercise in God having experience, then that, uh, it, 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 it let me release that, that resentment because now God wasn't like, off somewhere having a great time while he let my mom suffer. Like it was actually my mom was God and, and God was, that was God having the experience, you know, and that was, my mom wasn't alone, you know, like, like my mom's okay. And, uh, you know, that, that, that helps a lot, man. And, and there are a lot of things that, that, that helped a lot with. Yeah. I'm just thinking about what you just said. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've, just, I, I feel like I could just yeah, hear you banter all, all the time. You want to play a little game with us before we let, we sure, let you go? Man. It's called uh, Do You Know Me? Sure. But before we do that, I want to tell everybody about my book, um, which is also a New York Times bestseller. And uh, I think like probably the, been my best thing. You know, my mom would have been most proud of my book, I think. And uh, it's, it's fucking hilarious. It's nuts. It's uh, oddly inspirational. And uh, yeah, what we were talking about, you know, reacting to failure and just getting motivated. And it's a book about a, a dude who would not fucking take no for an answer. And at every stage of my life, like belligerently doubling down on everything I ever did to just force things to work out. And uh, I'm really proud of it. And if, if you go to my website, every single copy that I sell from my website is... Uh, signed that's great like i sit there and fucking sign books and like getting them out there it means you the sign a lot me. of awesome things on your website yeah thank you i spent, <laughs> I, I, I spent a lot of time signing shit um i, I just i think that people dig that and um you know I, I love getting it out there so so yeah like i would say you know it, it means a lot to me if you go to my website and, and get my book you know there's a lot of cool shit a lot of it's signed and also, I've got that gnarly comedy special, uh, which streams from my website uh, as well. Oh yeah, I, I love that you bet on yourself every time you get an opportunity. Yeah, and thanks, man. Um, something uh, that I think everyone should try to do. It's hard to do, and and you're a perfect example of that. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Okay, so let's play. A game. Let's play. It's really simple. It's called "Do You Know Me." We're gonna. I'm gonna ask some questions. Does Steve-O this? Has Steve-O ever done that? And don't answer right away. We're gonna guess. Okay. And uh, if you have an anecdotal story on any of these answers, feel free. If not, just say yes or no to the answer, and we'll move on. Do you know me? With Steve-O, real softball question to lead off. Does Steve-O ever sing in the car? 
Uh, Wait, you don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. Uh, Well, right off the bat, I I mean, he has maybe, but it doesn't sound like it's a go-to. No, maybe more of like a book on tape in the car kind of person, I think. So I'm going to say no. I think he sings. I definitely have. Okay. I definitely have. I don't know if if, if, the, if the question is, do I do it all the time? Like, eh, you know, but, uh, but. Do you ever got caught kind of dancing at a stoplight? I have. Totally. Like you're just jamming yeah, out. Yeah. You just here I you go, even... And then you look and you're just like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like, that, that's one area where I don't think uh, I'm particularly self-conscious. <laughs> Does Steve-O stan any celebrities? What's that? Is like you have a, like a yeah. celebrity crush? Like he's a fan. Like when yeah. you're obsessed stan with Stan is an Eminem reference to the, like a... You know the song? That comes from an Eminem? Yeah. An Eminem song about a fan who wrote, you know... Yeah. I like stalked him. And, yeah. So Stan Great is song. when you're like a creepy, like super fan kind of stalker. Like, uh, so have you stalked any celebrities? I, th- I think now it's become more yes. like, do you go to bat for them? Yeah. Like, are they a celebrity you don't just like, but you would like defend them? Um, I mean, I guess like my, my big stand thing, uh, and it's a pretty well known story when I was a little kid in 1987 and I was a huge Motley Crue fan and Motley <laughs> Crue came to my town on girls, girls, girls tour. Um, and I saw the news that they were in town the day before the concert. So I was like, dude, they're in a fucking hotel and I know it. And I've called every hotel in the yellow pages asking for a room by the name of their manager. And like hours into calling every hotel in the yellow pages, I was put through. And the brother of their manager picked up the phone, couldn't believe what I had done. He said, dude, you called every hotel in the yellow pages. That's fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> would you like backstage passes? So I was 13 years old. I got my picture taken with uh, Tommy Lee and Nikki Six backstage at their concert, and uh, it was it represented through is amazing. It represented the like the first real like thing where uh, where my dad like because all my dad ever wanted was for me to like be tenacious and to be passionate and to like really go for stuff. And, and, uh, I didn't ever do that in school. I was always in trouble and shit, but when it came to meeting Motley Crue, I was like ready to fuck. <laughs> I was ready to move some mountains and, uh, and, and I made it happen. And then, uh, so yeah, I would say that, that I'm a stand when it comes to Motley Crue. That's great. I, I was told before we started, you, you had, or you, you do have a list of a bunch of celebrities, email addresses and you would email them on the, the regular rad email list. I, I did that. Yeah. That was, that was fucking the lowest point in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was that? How, how, it, how'd you get the emails and what were you sending them? It was, um, it, it was towards the end of my run with drugs and alcohol when I was like at my absolute worst. And um, I was basically broadcasting my downward spiral in real time for uh, like weeks and months leading up to my intervention. And I had compiled a, a list of, uh, there were a lot of celebrities, there were uh, a lot of media outlets, you know, um, there were uh, like, a, like high power like agents, Any, anybody from the entertainment industry or media like uh, who w- was influential, like and and had the misfortune of me coming upon their contact info, was on this list. It was about two hundred people on the list, and uh, yeah, it was it was, and everything that I sent, like on a daily basis, and it, it could have been anything. I would be feuding with someone, and like ah, you know, I would be like, 
it would be a video of me like snorting drugs or like you know or some shitty fucking rap song that i recorded like you know like or just or just generally fucking awful disturbing shit and uh and i it was just nonstop inundation right up until the very end and um i called it my rad email list and it it uh when I got sober and sort of the fog cleared enough for me to realize like what a douche I had become, <laughs> uh, it, it represented the fire under my butt to put in the work of recovery. Everyone has their motivation story. <laughs> that's, that's great. Right. Does Steve-O consider themselves an introvert? So I guess the question is, are you introvert or an extrovert? He's, sometimes it's always tough with these ones. Because... <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm very introverted, no. Yeah, because you derive energy from attention, which I feel like is inherently right. interpersonal. Right. Yeah, I mean, evidently, I'm uh, pretty outgoing. <laughs> Does uh, Steve-O have any specific turn-ons, which post-sex addiction... So, so this is a turn on, like sexual turn ons. Well, doesn't no, no, not necessarily. Need to be sexual. What? Uh, yeah, like I guess at the other. So let's just let's like just augment turn-ons. it. Other other than attention, and other than, <laughs> I guess it could be something in sex. What 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 gets what gets Stevo going? Like what gets you real revved up? Ah. Uh, so I'm gonna say yes. He has some, and then yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, I get, um, like, I think the most important ingredient in uh, being fulfilled, and, and I think that fulfilled fulfillment is a really great, um, a really great sort of a focal point for uh, for everything. I think that um, enthusiasm is the number one ingredient to having a good life. You know, like uh, being turned on is the, the the ticket. You know, like I always tell people. It doesn't matter what you seek to accomplish. Just it really only matters like how fucking bad you want to accomplish it, you know. So like like what you choose to do is secondary towards the level of enthusiasm which you employ towards that end. One hundred percent. So yeah, like uh, do I get turned on? Fuck yeah! And if I'm not turned on, I'm useless. I'm utterly. And my dad said that many years ago about me. He said um, that. Uh, when when Steve uh, really sets his mind to it, when he's when he's turned on, like there's nothing he can't do. The problem is that's a fairly narrow slice of the pie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm really good at, at pulling shit off when I'm turned on, and if I'm not, like I'm just fucking useless. It seemed to have worked out for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, so far so good. Yeah, and and for the stuff that. Uh, that I, I just don't give a fuck about. Like um, I, I put people around me who who uh, can reliably handle it. Yeah. I mean, I know you say you don't want to have kids or and you have a vasectomy, but I think about being a father a lot. And you know, as I think a lot of people will fantasize what their kids could or what they'd want yeah. them to be good at. And all I give a shit is that my kid wants to be great at anything. Whatever it sure. is, just have a passion for it. I don't care if I like it or have an interest in it. I just want them to want yeah, to I have think a that- passion. I think that, that that is common sense, you know. I think anybody would want that. Um, you know, my concern is with all the alcoholism and addiction and just fucked up shit um, in my uh, in my genetics. You know, like 
there's a lot of discomfort that's going to come along with anyone who uh, I, you know, bring into the world. And then the the bigger issue for me is the world that I would be bringing them into, because uh, particularly just the 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 wealth disparity is just past the point of being cute or funny. You know, like the the fact is that we have a, a, a dwindling level of opportunity that's just not fucking at all cool anymore. You know, when my when my parents went to college, uh, you know, a university diploma meant placement in a career of their choosing. The people I went to college with, not so much, but it was helpful. Now it doesn't mean shit except a bunch of debt and like people are fucking struggling out there. You know, like it's like I, I wish that Bernie Sanders was president. I wish that everybody paid fucking way more taxes because I don't want to drive through the city and, and see homeless encampments everywhere I go. You know, uh, I can't fix it. And um, all I know is I don't want to fucking create a person to try to navigate this bullshit. You know, I don't, I don't need it on my conscience that I created a person to fucking struggle and suffer. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but the, what about the, like the Wild West or the medieval times? I mean, I guess you know. I, I had this conversation with a guy who I've known since we were nine. You know, a guy who's uh, you know a pediatric surgeon. Um, you know, he's fucking genius. He went to Brown University with a four and then went to Cornell Medical School, and now he's uh, like he's invented like ways to operate on unborn babies in the womb. He's like the most genius fucking guy I know. And like, we were like best friends in, in like fourth grade. And, and he's the only guy, or it's the guy I've known the longest. And he, his family comes from Sudan. And, and I used to spend all my time at his house cause my house was a little crazy. And, uh, you know, I would pray to Mecca with the guy that he's a, you know, Muslim family. And like, like, uh, you know, whatever, that's besides the point. But I said to to my buddy Abdullah about how, you know, like the, the opportunity in the world. And I don't want to fuck, you know, like, and, and his response to me was really profound. He said, he said, in Africa, where um, there's starvation and disease, you know, like poverty, like, do you think people are any less happy? And, and, you know, my gut instinct, my natural reaction is like, fuck yeah, I think they're less happy. I think that they're fucking super less happy. And uh, he said, no, they're not, you know. And intellectually, I can grasp the, the point he's making is that, that what is actually the basis for happiness is uh, the capacity to love. You know, like love is the, the thing, you know, like we're here to love love is is the the fucking answer like love is what it's all about and you can take away someone's health their their you know their livelihood you can like make them hungry but you you cannot take away their their capacity to love and by that measure one could argue that that uh happiness is um available to to everybody no matter what but at the same fucking time dude i got a real problem with uh <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an imperfect world. Uh, but like you said, it's all about relationships and love. Sure, yeah. it, it, it's all about relationships and love. Has Stevo ever volunteered in the last year? I'm going to say yes. Yes, absolutely. I bet he's done some animal shelter, something animals. 
Yeah, I mean, with with sobriety, we do that shit all the time. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's like the whole deal. All right. Final question. Has Steve-O ever been cheated on? Uh, hmm. I think, I think. I, yeah, I mean, def- definitely, yeah. But, like, I never had a relationship that was really uh, <laughs> worth shit anyway until the one I'm in now. <laughs> Does that scare you? <laughs> Or do you do that, or, or does it make you? Ah, uh, I mean, did it scare? Like, I don't know. Like, um, now that you value this so, you know, so much. As yeah, opposed I to mean, something like, like, if I were to come across someone who was like a really, uh, you know, good person who would have been great for me, like, it would have been a waste of time because I would have been useless for that person. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to put in a great deal of work to sort of become eligible, you know, for that, you know. It's not finding the right person. It's it's about becoming the right person, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, uh, so I had, I had to become someone who could be in a healthy relationship, and uh, and and that's what that's where I put my focus. That's great, Steve. I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's yeah, been man. a pleasure talking to you. Uh, check out Steve's website for his special. Your you can get your book on Amazon. I'm assuming. Uh, if you get it from my website, go to your website signed. for everything. Yeah, the only autographed copies are at my website. And it's stevo.com. Yeah, great. Okay, man. man. Thanks, dude. Thanks for coming Bye on. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends. Rate, review. Sending your questions at asknickacastmedia.com. Cast with a K, and we will see you back on Monday. Okay.